This podcast is brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. to the Out of the Blue podcast. In today's episode, Dr. Malor Saller sits down with Drs. Jen Sucre, Melanie Koningshoff, and Denise Alalam to discuss the paper, Hyperoxia Injury in the Developing Lung is Mediated by Mensenchymal Expression of WINT5A. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast. Uh, this is a great paper, uh, and I really want to hear your guys' thoughts about bronchopulmonary dysplasia and this novel signaling pathway that you've lined out. Um, so, uh, Dr. Sucre, uh, tell me a little bit about bronchopulmonary dysplasia um, and how uh, you've been studying it over the years and, and uh, a little bit about what we know about this disease. Sure. Bronchopulmonary dysplasia is the leading complication in survivors of preterm birth. And our group thinks of BPD as resulting from lung injury during a very vulnerable stage of lung development, which would be the saccular stage of lung development. The later stages of lung development um, really start around 16 weeks with the canalicular stage. Um, the saccular stage starts around 23 weeks and goes until about 32 weeks, followed by the alveolar stage of lung development. And there's something very particular about injury during that saccular stage, which is when infants um, born preterm between 23 and 32 weeks are the most susceptible um, to developing BPD. And Injury later in life, so during the alveolar stage or beyond, is often reversible, but injury during the saccular stage results in irreversible structural injury. We define BPD histopathologically as impaired alveologenesis or decreased number of alveoli. In some patients, we also see mesenchymal thickening or thickening of the septa. Um, but our information about BPD in the human era is really limited by access to tissue samples. So we also have a clinical definition of BPD, which is a need for supplemental oxygen at 36 weeks, correct to gestational age. And I always say that BPD as a neonatologist is one of the easiest diseases to diagnose. So we know who is still on oxygen at 36 weeks. We can often predict it coming in an infant who's having a very difficult early course. But unfortunately, we have no therapies that are targeted um, to modify the underlying root molecular causes of BPD. And all of the therapies we have to offer are palliative. So trying to get a handle on the molecular mechanisms driving BPD after lung injury um, is really the purpose of our lab group and what's driving a lot of our modeling um, and looking at different perturbments and developmental pathways after injury or other causes that may result in BPD. So this, there's a lot of uh, information in this paper about WINT uh, signaling. And Dr. Koningshoff, I know you studied WINT for many years. What is WINT? Uh, what does it do? And, and what's its role in, in lung development uh, repair and, and disease? Oh, yeah, sure. So, I mean, wind signaling you know, is one of these classical developmental pathways. So, which normally means that for you know, like organ development, these pathways are essential so that we have a proper organ to start with. And for wind signaling, and you can compare it also to sonic hedgehog or FGF, fibroblast growth factor signaling, we know that we need these also for the lung to development in the first, pa in the first place. So, 
for wind, for example, in the lung, we know like if we don't really have some of the key proteins that we don't even have the initial lung bud or we don't have proper development and impaired um, architecture of the lung. And for wind signaling, I think it's important to know like how is it really regulated and how is it really, how does it really, does it do signaling? And this is that we have on the one hand wind proteins, which are the ligands for receptors. So we call them wind 1 to 19, for example, in the human system. And all these different wind proteins can bind to a couple of different receptors. And I wanted to highlight this because it's very important to know that there is so much diversity in the system. We have on the one hand, these wind proteins as ligands. On the other hand, these receptors called low density lipoprotein receptors or frizzled receptors. And the combination of a specific wind with a specific uh, membrane-bound receptor can really change the phenotype of what we see or determine the cellular function. For wind signaling then as a second part, you know, like this is also makes a huge difference in terms of intracellular signaling modulation. For example, beta-catenin is one of the key signaling transducers for wind signaling. And there are some pathways which really need beta-catenin to induce proper signaling, whereas other pathways, other wind ligands, are known not to be required or do not uh, rely on wind beta-catenin beta as a signaling mediator. And I think that will be something that we probably later on discuss because the question really is, is this something that is a beta catenin or a non-beta catenin driven pathway? And we know that these pathways, as I said, are very important in development. And what we were really got excited about over the past years is that there's a lot of chronic lung diseases such as chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or also idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, where we also do see in the adult stage an aberrant activity of this wind signaling which makes it again like you know like um, interesting in terms of looking for therapeutic targets for example and we know that you know like some of these is not only that specific beta catenin or non beta catenin driven pathways are regulated but also that specific ligands are involved and this is why the study by Jen and her co-workers uh, is so interesting because it really points out to a specific ligand wind 5a which we will probably talk more a little bit about um, in its role for potentially BPD so, uh, Dr. Sucre, so you found a role for WIND 5A uh, in the pathogenesis of hyperoxic lung injury and, and bronchopulmonary dysplasia. So, so tell me some of the key findings uh, from this manuscript. Sure. So, I'm happy to walk you through how we how we got to arriving at WIND 5A. And a lot of the foundations from this work were started in earlier work that I had done with Bridget Gompertz at UCLA, um, where we initially were looking only at fibroblasts and the role of the mesenchyme. And we started to see um, inactivated wind signal, um, really looking at nuclear beta catenin in our fibroblast only model. And when we looked in BPD tissue, we saw that there was activated beta catenin or nuclear beta catenin in both epithelial and mesenchymal cells. So we started out trying to build a model that would allow us to drill down at epithelial mesenchymal interactions in the developing lung, in the setting of lung injury. And to do that, we developed a 3D organotypic co-culture model, which allows us to maintain primary human epithelial cells um, from second trimester human lung for up to seven days. And that advance allowed us to be able to manipulate that model, to injure it with hyperoxia, and to add different activators and inhibitors. So using that 
um, organotypic co-culture model, we wanted to see what wind ligands might be driving this process. And we did a screen um, using qPCR for gene expression of all the wind ligands. And we found that there were a few that were upregulated. In particular, um, WINT5A was upregulated. And we focused on WINT5A um, going forward for a couple of reasons. Um, one, it was the, had the strongest signal um, over many different biological and technical replicates. And also, there's a really important foundational paper from Dr. Konigshoff's group, which showed that WINT5A was involved um, in driving the fibrosis in another adult lung disease, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And some of our work in the past had shown that BPD and IPF had similar nuclear beta-catenin phosphorylated um, overlap when we looked at um, that signal. So we focused on WINT5A a little bit further and to model, to look at a model of BPD, we really wanted to be able to find a model that would do some of the things that the developing lung did. So we um, actually went to Denver and worked with Dr. Konigsoff and learned how to make precision cut lung slices. Mm -hmm. And so these lung slices are really fascinating because we can take them from a mouse as young as P3 to P4, postnatal day three or four, um, inflate their lungs and slice them, and we continue to see ongoing um, septation and alveologenesis um, ex vivo. So using that model of precision cut lung slices, we found that um, hyperoxia exposure resulted in decreased alveoli as measured by um, mean linear intercept, and also increased septal thickening, which we looked at by um, airspace volume density and we saw still this increase in WINT5A. So these slices um, really provide a unique space to look at lung injury and development because we're able to really get in there um, because the slices are just floating in culture media with different small molecule activators, inhibitors. Um, we use a specific antibody that's neutralizing to WINT5A in part of the paper um, without worrying about all of the effects on the rest of the mouse. Um, and so, while well, ultimately I think therapeutic targets and uh, therapeutic testing needs to go through a full in vivo look, at least allowing us to deal with mechanistic experiments, these precision cut lung slices were really important. Um, so when we, um, we found that neutralizing WINT5A with this neutralizing antibody um, abrogated many parts of the phenotype in both our 3D organotypic co-culture and in our precision cut lung slices. And so we wanted to go another step further to see what might be driving WINT5A. So in, um, in the schematic of um, hyperoxia injury leads to dysregulated WINT signaling, there's a really big dashed line there in terms of how you get from too much oxygen to dysregulated went. And so we went back into the literature and found that others had reported um, in a different system that WINT5A and its promoter had binding sites for NF-kappa B. And so we, and NF-kappa B is known to be both essential for lung development, but also dysregulated NF-kappa B, too much or too little um, results in a phenotype that looks a lot like BPD. And the link between hyperoxia and NF-kappa B was already well established. So connecting all of those dots, we then used our slices 
and gave an inhibitor of NF-kappa-B, which is Bay 11 um, And we found that when we in inhibit NF-kappa-B with Bay 11 we both reduced expression of WNT5A, and we were able to help normalize some of the hyperoxia phenotype. Um, and the, to take that even another step further, we took um, mice exposed to hyperoxia and gave them um, injected Bay 11 on postnatal day 12 and 13 and showed that we were able to decrease the, to decrease the increased WNT5A that happens in hyperoxia. We weren't able to give NF-kappa-B inhibitors throughout saculation and early alveologenesis because that would disrupt the whole normal lung development. But I thought, I felt like with three models sort of orthogonally coming after um, a similar idea, we were able to show that increased oxygen during the saccular stage leads to an inappropriate increase in WNT5A and that some of the BPD phenotype that we see may be mediated by increased WNT5A, hopefully creating a foundation for future work to think about how to target either the interaction between NF-kappa-B and WNT5A or the increased um, expression of WNT5A or the interaction with WNT5A and downstream targets. Yeah, I mean, I thought I, I, that was a, a really key uh, uh, a part of your manuscript, whereas uh, many scientists 10 years ago might be using um, you know, single cell culture systems. You used a three-dimensional organotypic co-culture system and precision cut lung slices, uh, multiple cells types in the lungs that you were able to easily manipulate. That was really powerful. And so congratulations on that part of the work. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about this pathway that you've sort of outlined, NF-kappa-B leading to WIN5A and decreased alveolar genesis. Uh, Dr. Koningshoff, what do you think about this uh, WIN5A signaling decreasing alveolar genesis? Uh, we know that WIN5A has is, is part of alveolar genesis in general. Is there a timing issue? Is it a, is it an amount issue? Um, what do you think is happening here? Yeah, I think that's, that's a very good point. So, I mean, you know, and that's actually a question that we probably ask each other in the lab and you have within the community every day. I think there are several ways of you know, like where we at the moment think about, you know, like how wind signaling can be really differently regulated. I mean, the one point, you know, like, which is the focus also on this, you know, like collaborative study here is that, you know, like obviously, you know, like who is responsible for getting to an increased wind signaling, like NF-kappa signaling here. And we have shown in a, in a previous study also that wind signaling and the wind ligand then can be differentially post-translationally modified. And that is very well known in the you know, basic field of wind signaling, if you so want, that this different post-translational modifications also can lead to different effects. So you know, that's something that we have a little bit of handle on at the moment, at least in terms of ideas and working models, that there might be a different post-translational outcome in terms of wind ligands. And that's also something that we would like to follow up in this regard. Um, and I mean, we have shown this for, you know, like, um, WIN5A specifically in, in, a, in an adult chronic lung disease like COPD, but it would be really interesting to see if similar or even not similar, you know, like things are happening also in, in the BPD scenario. The other part which, you know, like we, we just now get a little bit more handle on is obviously that, you know, like as I mentioned, these wind ligands or proteins can bind to different receptors. And I think what, what Jen also highlighted here in terms of, you know, like mesenchyme, epicyacin interaction, which she so beautifully models it with her systems, 
you know, like we have obviously the source cell in this respect here, it's a fibroblast for the WIN5A protein, but then the question becomes which receptor is active? And does this receptor maybe also lead to a different outcome in terms of alveolarization? And, and for WIN5A, there is a couple of examples of different frizzled receptors, you know, like if they are, for example, expressed on the cell or not expressed on the cell, that this leads to a completely different or to a switch in terms of, of um, cellular signaling outcome. And, and one example I can give you back uh, going to COPD is where we have reduced frizzled force signaling. That's actually something that we, that we also uh, have shown in a study published by the American Journal of Critical Care Medicine a couple of years ago. You know, like that this specific frizzle, for example, is very important if it's um, for the outcome of WIN5A signaling. So, you know, both the regulation and post-translational modification, as well as the recipient cell and the receptor components, I would say, of the recipient cells can have, have a huge influence on, you know, like what's the real outcome in terms of function, for example, alveolarization might be. Now, uh, Dr. Alam, I know you also study uh, BPD, and I also wanted to highlight that you had a nice paper recently in, in the Blue Journal as well on the role of microbiome in BPD. Uh, what do you think the implications of this study are, and what does this manuscript add to our understanding of BPD? So this is a very um, elegant study um, that Dr. Sucre had um, nicely laid out the data here. Um, and the reason I really think this is an important study is because, as she mentioned earlier, BPD um, is an irreversible disease and we have not been able to find any therapies for it. And part of it is a lot of the data that we have in the literature is based upon modeling of um, BPD in animals. Uh, whereas here, really, um, Dr. Sucre and her team brought together all the aspects of um, organotypic culture, as it was mentioned, and then the interactions between the different cell types, not only the type 2 cells, and her very elegant co-culture model of human cells, but also mouse cells, um, as well as the um, precision cut lung slices, and combining the mouse and the human together um, kind of bridged all this nice information that came forth from the study that shows that it is indeed important both in humans and in mouse models. And her BPD data um, strongly support the animal models as well. Um, and the NF-kappa-B, which is the inflammation um, pathway, really inflammation has been shown to be really important in BPD as well, but we don't have a clear understanding of what that really does. Um, and there were studies that suggested that also microbiome is altered in BPD. Does that affect the signaling, um, does that affect, sorry, the inflammatory pathways that then affects the wind pathway signaling that remains to be understood. But this study certainly lays very strong grounds that suggest that WIN5A is really important and play an important role. Um, and it's being modulated obviously by inflammatory signals. Um, so perhaps this will have really important um, avenues in the future. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing the next follow-up study um, to this one. Dr. Sucre, what do you think the therapeutic implications of your findings are? And um, what do you think the role of WINT will be uh, in BPD uh, moving forward? So I think it suggests that it's possible to target one part of a very fundamental pathway without disrupting everything else. Um, certainly, I, one could imagine that there may be a narrow window of opportunity to 
write the balance of wrong whence, wrong time, um, early after preterm birth to set things on their proper trajectory, and that it may be possible to target this at the very specific level, either, yeah, either at the ligand or at the receptor. Um, I do think that we need a little bit more information in terms of timing. And so while we were pleased to see that the human tissue that we looked at and, and what we looked at was um, multiple cases of BPD um, or infants who died in the setting of BPD, we would really like an opportunity to look more granularly at that data and to look at the injury and response as it is happening not just as it has happened. And so I think there's an opportunity to clarify with even greater granularity, which cell types, which injury um, stimulus is driving those cell types making which wince and which receptors at that time, hopefully with an idea of making some kind of therapeutic that could be delivered potentially even locally to the lung to fix that balance of dysregulated wince and promote normal lung growth and normal lung development in these infants. Well, congratulations on a fantastic manuscript. Um, and thank you all for joining us today. All right, thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. The Out of the Blue podcast is brought to you by the American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine. If you would like to learn more about the article discussed in today's episode, please visit our website at www.atsjournals.org. You can also stay up to date on the latest episodes by subscribing to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.